Welcome to another episode of the Baba Guys. My name is Rick Kleiner. I'm joined here with Jerry. Jerry, I usually ask how you're doing, but today our topic is kind of a downer. We're talking about death today. Well, I had my answer already. What was, was the answer? Doing, well, I was how great I was doing. Right. You're going to lie to the people. I am. And okay. then I understand from your diet that this might be relevant, <laughs> given the kind of stuff you eat. <laughs> Look, I okay, now we, we, our listeners are going to want to know. They don't, but I'm going to tell them just to defend myself. Um, I run. And I run not because I enjoy running. Two eyes. Ah, so you're one of those people you run to eat I run garbage. because I enjoy bacon. And uh, well, yeah, I could, I could go to turkey bacon or I could run wow. and I would rather run. Go the real bacon. Absolutely. And uh, we don't think that's the culprit anyway to a lot of disease. You don't? <clears throat> Who's the yeah. we? You and the scientist? Yeah. <laughs> Me and the rest of my scientific right. colleagues. You and your colleagues. <laughs> that's I got right. you. <laughs> Me and the opinion of all my friends say, all right, well, what's the question we have today regarding this topic of death and the afterlife? Well, the question appears quite simple, but it's actually complex because it has so many layers to it. So the question basically is in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So we're encompassing, you know, the Old Testament era, the New Testament era. In the Bible, where did people go when they died? Mm -hmm. And and I said that's simple. It, it's simple as far as the question is concerned. But you get beyond that question, you have a lot of other issues. Yeah. Not only where did they go, what do they do when they get there, how long are they there, uh, what's their form of existence, will they be resurrected at some point, will they be judged some, at some point. So really, this could go under the, in systematic theology, we sometimes refer to personal eschatology. Yeah. So this is a huge really division of personal eschatology and since you're really good on this topic and uh wait i'm, on, I'm good on the topic of death and it, well this whole thing and, and you're in charge of this i'm going to throw it back to you and you're going to kind of just guide the conversation well it's good that you, it's neat that you asked the question because just yesterday i had someone reach out to me a member of our church uh contact me and uh, or they came up to me and asked what is this this intermediate state? What what is it? Uh, our loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord, what are they like right now? What's going on? See, I think about that all the time. Yeah, it's a good question. I think about my wife's parents. My parents are still alive, but I think about my wife's parents. I think about other friends and family. Yeah. That what do they look like? What are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> are they actually happy? Yeah. Which I would argue, being in a disembodied state. So yeah, a lot of. Um, Mystery. I was going to use the word creepy. I mean, let's just. No, it's good. It, it is a creepy thought simply yeah. because we're not used to that. We're used to the material. We're used to what we see and feel. So this is a realm that that is foreign to us, other than what might be mentioned in scripture. Yeah, and and you know this. Uh, this is a conversation I've had with my children recently, with you know, with the passing of my mom this this year, mm -hmm. and they've asked, well, what's it like, and you know. All I can know is what we can glean from Scripture. Right. Um, so what I want to do here real quick is kind of go through almost like a, a theology of life and death as, it's un, as it unfolds in the Old and New Testament, um, because there's a lot of things in that study of just like, I'm going to use the term, a biblical theology of, of life after death that, that can be surprising. Um, most people don't think about it, or they just have heard it's almost like that thing, you, you hear something five or six times and you believe it to be true yes, because it's something that was taught to someone and they taught, taught, and then they finally taught you. So first of all, in the Old Testament, when it talks about life, uh, it's usually this 
it's usually seen as an as an unending spiritual relationship with, with God, and it and it doesn't end at what, a person's physical death. It it carries on. Um, so maybe to say it in this way, put it in other terms, when they talk about life, it's not just physical life. It's also they they don't see this life, life to come. They almost see it as just life. And there's a physical part, and then there's a spiritual part, but it's life. So let me interrupt you. Yeah. So while frequently in the Old Testament, life and death refer to what is temporal and earthly, mm-hmm. but you believe there are occasions in the Old Testament where the afterlife is talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we see it. Um, and when we see to, when we talk when death is mentioned, it's referring to that eternal separation from mm-hmm. God, um, both in this life. It starts in this life, and then after after death. Um, there's an interesting um, an article written by Daniel Block. He wrote an article. It appears in um, a book by Morgan and Peterson called Hell Under Fire. It's on pages 43 through 65 of that. I want to be a good citation to make sure everybody knows where I yes. got it. Um, and he says in that article that the Old Testament shares um, shares similarities with ancient Near Eastern religion in the idea that there's a, a three-tiered perception of the universe. So, for example, we have the earth. Mm-hmm. Below the earth, you have below the earth, and that's the realm of the dead. Um, and then above the earth, heaven above, that's the realm of the divine. That's mm-hmm. what we'd say. So we, we keep that too. Um, now, when we talk about that realm of the dead, that's where we're kind of hanging out on this conversation. The, there's a lot of words for that, but the most common word used in the Old Testament is Sheol. Mm-hmm. It appears about 58, sorry, 68 times in the Old Testament for for this place, and 58 of those are in the poets, the poetry. So I think you've we've talked about this when we talked about hermeneutics before. Um, we have to be very careful when reading poetry because it uses figurative language, imaginative language. Mm-hmm. We want to be careful not to weigh heavily, theo- like weigh our theology heavily in the poets because it uses such language. Um, we can glean from it, of course, but just want to say that at the outset. We want to be careful with that. Um, now, where we're at here in the Old Testament, that's, that's what we have so far with the Old Testament. By the time we get to the New Testament, um, one of the first instances is when Jesus is talking about, he, he tells the story of Lazarus, who is the beggar who dies, and the rich man dies and goes to hell. Yes. And he uses the term, for the for Lazarus, he uses the term Abraham's bosom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what is that? Uh, it's referring to the, you know, it's, it's referring to a meal setting, which is really interesting. We don't really talk about that too much. It's the idea that they're leaning at table, and Lazarus is leaning upon Abraham, just like they leaned upon each other at the Last Supper. And so that term only appears there in the New Testament, but it is also used in the Talmud when it refers to a, a death of a certain rabbi. I believe uh, I have the quote right here. It says, The day that Rabbi Adabar Abana sat in the bosom of Abraham— um, Rabbi Yehuda was born in Babylon. And so it's used as a euphemism for death and being in the presence or being in heaven. So I want to say that because that brings up a good point. <clears throat> I've taught this in the past, but I'm moving away from it, that the idea that there's an intermediate place um, in the Jewish in Jewish mind uh, of there's a place of r- r- temporary rest for those righteous and temporary suffering and torment for the unrighteous um, that at, that is no longer, well, I should say it this way, the, the righteous side is no longer there because when Jesus died, he 
you know, what I taught was Jesus took them to right, heaven. Right, right. And then the other side, Hades is still filling up, and but I'm getting away from that. Yeah, I am too, and I think I was... I was raised with that, I think, primarily through the influence of the Schofield Reference Bible, right? which was phenomenal and really instrumental in my spiritual growth. Which, so, to our listeners, you have a copy in front of you. Well, I do, because this is the one you give me. That's right. I mean, here we're sitting in your office, and you're always giving me the Schofield one. You keep it there. Well, yeah, I do. I'll get you another one. But anyway, I think that's where a lot of that influence came from. Right. And as, as I studied this over the years... I, I kind of went away from it, and it then became my opinion that basically if a believer died in the during the Old Testament era, his body would go to the grave, and the immaterial part would go immediately into the presence of God. So my opinion has become that there was not a compartment that was emptied out after Christ's resurrection. I think that's a misuse of passages like Ephesians 4, which we talked about, I think, a couple right. of years ago. Yeah. Um, but but so it's just, and let me throw this in as well. <laughs> this is kind of another issue. Uh, also my opinion that man is composed of just material and immaterial. And there are a lot of different words speaking of the immaterial in the Bible, but in, in broad categories, he's material and immaterial. Mm-hmm. So an unbeliever... Old Testament or New Testament, when they died, the material went into the grave, the immaterial went into, as you said, Sheol, uh, the realm of the dead, or the counterpart Hades in the New Testament. And then the um, believer in the Old Testament or the believer in the New Testament, material into the grave, immaterial immediately into the presence of God. So really... To me, that that's not a hugely complicated issue, but there are other questions, I think, that beg more for a discussion. Yeah, so let's be clear on this idea. So when you say, you use the term the grave, what you're saying is, for, the, for those who did not, for the unrighteous in the Old Testament, let's just use them for a minute, when they died, you said they went to the grave or to their counterpart Hades. The material the, went to the, the grave. The material, okay, so the yeah. immaterial part going into Hades, is there torment there? I think there is. Okay. There there's not there's not a lot said about that. And I like the way you introduced everything as the intermediate state. When we talk about the intermediate state, we are talking about that period of time between death and resurrection. And there are different times at which different people during different eras will be resurrected, I think. But right now we're talking about the intermediate state, Sheol Hades. I think it is a place of torment. However, it is a place still where you can function. Mm -hmm. And case in point being the Luke 16 text where the rich man is carrying on a conversation with Abraham. I mean, if if his body were literally on fire, I mean, in that kind of pain, you would not be able to carry on a rational conversation with somebody. Clearly, he's in torment. He says he's in torment. Um, you know, I wish we had more to go on. Yeah. And I'm not, I am not, not denying punishment, you know, in the postmortem state. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe that's something we need to relook to look at again in terms of the intermediate state. I'm not talking now about 
the final destiny of hell, the lake of fire. I'm talking about the intermediate state. Yeah, I believe the ESV reads it in verse 25 of Luke 16. He says, I'm in anguish in the fl- in this flame. Yes. And that's what it says. It doesn't say... Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we can speculate yeah, too much. Ex- exactly right. So that's the language. I take it seriously. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to be um, somewhat rational and guarded about it. Okay. So what else... With this question you said leads to other questions, so maybe we should start with this one. You said that, and I'm with you, I'm a dichotomist. That's the word we're looking for. Oh, good, yes, thank uh, you. I'm a dichotomist. I believe there's a material and immaterial, uh, mainly because Jesus said that. And But then where he said, don't don't fear um, the man who can destroy just this body, but fear God who can throw both body and soul, yeah. destroy both in, both in hell. He just makes the distinction. He doesn't make a tripartite body, soul, spirit. I've heard people say, well, the spirit relates to each other, the soul relates to God. Yeah. Eh, I don't think it's in the Bible. I don't but, either. But then they take Hebrews, and we did that in an, earlier, in an earlier episode about that the Word of God is quick and active, sharper than a two-edged sword that can that could divide between body, soul, spirit. It's not saying it does. It's saying it's so sharp that it could. Yeah, I think he's just yeah. giving synonyms for the yeah. immaterial he's part. Em- he's embellishing a bit. Yes. Um, so what form, I guess we should say, what do we, what do we think that form is, that immaterial part? Well, see, some people think that, and let's just deal with Christians now. Yeah. Some people think that when a believer dies, they get an intermediate body that they will shed at the future resurrection. <clears throat> My opinion is there is not an intermediate body. Um, that's based primarily on passages like 2 Corinthians 5 and elsewhere. I don't think there's an intermediate body. If I'm correct, then that means that the righteous dead are existing now immaterially. Mm -hmm. And so the questions that kind of come up, can you be content in that form? Are you recognizable in that form? Can you be satisfied and happy in a disembodied state? I think that's a big question that comes up in many people's minds because again, it just seems so foreign to us. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's kind of a big question. Yeah, I, I tend to go with the answer to all your questions. Um, yes, you can be content and happy in that form. I mean, God is spirit. Um, oh, you stole my greatest oh, I illustration. Did. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Oh, man. I didn't even look at your notes. Um, so it just makes. I mean, why it makes sense that that we could enjoy His presence. In a in our spiritual form, yeah, it does. It just doesn't make any sense. Christ is in. Oh, that was see. I was gonna go. <laughs> you stole the Father. I was gonna go to the next member of the Trinity, and then you stole that. Okay, go ahead. I really can't read upside down. I have no idea what you. <laughs> um, it just makes sense when I when people ask me what's well, what kind of life is that? I'm like real life. Yeah, that's it. That's real life. Why do we? It's so foreign to us and our view of the physical. I mean, we're almost like Platonists. The physical is all there is sometimes. Exactly right. Yeah, and we like why? Why can't it be okay? Well, whether you, even though you said it, I'm going to say it anyway. Do it, man. As you're going to say it better than I did. No, as if you're not even here. I'm <laughs> going to say this. So, the second member of the Trinity, people need to remember before the incarnation, he existed eternally as spirit. I don't think. That suddenly, you know, when he's born in Bethlehem, he's suddenly happy now, and can yeah. say, "Oh, I'm happy now because yeah. I'm in, I'm inhabiting a body." Yeah. No, he was perfectly fine and would have been fine for all eternity future, had he just stayed in that spirit state. So, again, it's just something we're not used to. Mm-hmm. But 
there is no way to say that that is we would be less happy, less content. In fact, the apostle says in Philippians one when he's talking about, you know, he says I'm I'm caught between these two options of staying on earth or going to the presence of God, and he finally says to die is gain, to depart and be with Christ is far better. And in verse twenty three, he of Philippians one he begins to pile these superlatives on top of each other, and he says I desire, and he uses epithumia there which normally has a negative connotation of lust. So he says, I'm lusting for this. And then he says it is, you know, if we were to be really pedantic and horribly translate the verse, it would be something like I am, I lust for this um, better, much more existence. So here's the apostle saying that when I do leave this body and go into the presence of God, it's actually a better existence than the one I currently have. Yeah, and I'm glad this is coming up like it is because this is something that when, when mom passed, um, you know, this was back in February, real quick. Um, you know, first of all, a lot of people they want to comfort you, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, and there are times people are like, "Well, well, I'm really sorry," or whatever. And and yeah, don't be sorry for me, you know, because I'm I miss my mom, but I'm not sorry for mom. Yes, mom's in a sweeter place now um, she is she is before the presence of God and I remember that Sunday she passed away on Friday that Sunday I need to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ we're worshiping and we were singing a, a worship song where we were behold our God seated on his throne come let us adore him and in the middle of it I just got caught up in the in the in the emotion of it I'm yeah. bawling while I'm singing because I thought of the pre- I thought of the fact that my mom is before the it's face now. of God singing this song while I'm singing it here and she's in, she's she's beholding our God. Yeah. And and it for me it was the that's life. Yes. All this is is pointless. I mean it's, yeah. and it's, it's we're just like the 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 preacher in Ecclesiastes. If all if if there's nothing under the sun, what a what a vanity we live. But we know life is is vertical and it's and it, that hit me right then in that time of worship. And so this is has this has um this isn't just two guys speculating over over podcasts. This has drastic yes. connotations and conclusions for the people we minister to. Yeah, and in theology, I love that. We refer to the immediate presence of God, mm-hmm. and she is there in the immediate. We are in the mediated presence of God. Yeah. We see evidence of God. His, his spirit will make us feel his presence quite often. But we don't see him in his full effulgence and glory. We don't see him face to face. As the apostle said in First Corinthians 13, we see, you know, through a glass darkly, um, then face to face. Um, as you were talking, I thought of some passages that are of interest. In First Samuel 28, when Saul visits the witch at Endor, mm-hmm. and, and um, Samuel actually is conjured up, and it's interesting to look at the various translations of the verse. Um, some refer to him as a divine being, a god, a ghost, a spirit. But what's interesting is they say, I see. So even though he's in spirit form, he was recognizable. Yeah. And in the very next verse, Saul knows that it's Samuel. Yeah. I find that fascinating. And even the witch does. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So evidently in a spiritual state of existence, there is still a form 
there is still a, an appearance. And then my mind also went to Revelation, um, you mentioned, was it Revelation 5 you mentioned? I think you did. I was thinking of Revelation 6, where John says that he saw the souls of those who have been martyred before the throne, mm-hmm. and they, he is seeing them in their immaterial state as they are waiting for the final resurrection. But the point is, he could still see a form there. Yeah, It's just not one, and I hate to use this Greek platonic idea that you dissed earlier, but... Um, but we have a form that isn't bound to this decaying, hurting body. Right. So definitely a sense of freeness until we receive that that final resurrection body. And I'm glad you said it that way because there's another question that, that it was in that other in the earlier question was will we be recognizable? Will we know one another? Um, I got a kick out of this one day. I was in my office. This is about a week or two after mom passed, and uh, I was looking on my desk, and it's not here now, but I put it away my copy of Calvin's Institutes was out. Oh, yeah. And I thought, my mom is hanging with John Calvin right now. <laughs> and I got a kick. So then I giggled to myself because m- mom, she thought I walked on water. I mean, nothing. I mean, she she did. So um, I could just see her. Like, I, I just had this mental image of her talking to Calvin. And Rick hear, Calvin. Hear, and hearing from <laughs> Calvin. And hear her saying, you sound like my son Rick. You know? <laughs> and really, I just stole from Calvin. Right. And he, you know, she didn't know. Um, but, but yeah, that, I think that's true. I think there's, there's recognizing. There's, there's the, I don't think, I, I've told my students the idea of what kind of cruel God would give us relationship here on earth yeah. and then send us to eternity and we become like these little glorified amnesiacs where we don't know who we are, where we are, exactly. why we're there. And it makes no sense. That's that's That goes against the personal God that we worship. Yeah, won't we be more perceptive? Absolutely. And more understanding? I mean, as you said, we suddenly don't forget everything we ever experienced in this world. It's just a, a superlative continuance of it, yeah. only to get better when the kingdom comes to this earth. Amen. Is there anything else we can add to this conversation? Uh, I suppose there is, but I I think that that covers the question pretty well. I think we landed here. It's a good question. It is. This is where um, a lot of people might say, well, that's just a lot of Bible talk. But this is where it lands. This is where we minister to the people under our care. Um, because this is what we're as pastors, as as ministers of the gospel, as just Christian brothers and sisters, we're going to be called in these to- these times, and this is what gives us hope. Yes, it does. This is this is what we look forward to, and I think we both can say, just like the last lines of uh, Revelation, even so, come Lord Jesus, absolutely for that day, absolutely. Well, thank you for your question, listeners. As always, we love your questions. You are what keeps us going here. And uh, if you have a question, you can email us at BibleGuysPodcast at gmail.com. You could also send this through Twitter and or Instagram. And that's at BibleGuysPod, the same username for both of those social media platforms. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or on Anchor. Um, we would love for you to do that. You'll also get new content released as we release it because we like to update episodes and release episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. to make your morning commute even that much better. For Jerry Hollinger, I'm Rick Kleiner. We'll see you next time.